thank you all for coming. As I said, we uh, have such a good night planned. If you guys don't know, we have Ken and Trudy Blunt. They have been married for 50 years. And they still love each other. And they have a lot of wisdom to share. So we're so thankful that they're here with us. They've been in ministry for 38 years. And we're so blessed that they are doing ministry here and that this is their home church now. We also have Josh and Kristen Romano. They have been married for 11 years, right? 11 years. And they have such a heart for marriage. It, it, if you've ever talked to them, you know that it's probably come up. They love marriage and they are very passionate about it. So we're excited to uh, hear from them and learn from what they've been learning. They're in the thick of it, you know, like. They're not, they're not the ones that they've been doing it for 50 years. They're, they are with us in this. They are in the thick of it like most of us are. So we're excited to have them here with us. Before we get started, I'm going to pray, and then I'll turn this over to Pastor Ken, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come and sit under this incredible leadership and to be delivered your word. We're so thankful for these people that put you first and then marriage. I pray that you would open the hearts and minds of the people that are here, that your voice would be loud and clear, that you would speak to them individually, that you have something to say to each of them. We're thankful that for the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you are capable of speaking to us individually. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Ken, let's kick this off. This class is called Intimacy in Marriage. So why don't you let us know why intimacy is so important? I'm glad you asked that question because that's what we studied. Hey, everybody. Um, yeah, let's just talk about how important marriage is to God, right? When you think about the Bible and how it's laid out, everything begins with a marriage, you could say that, but because God created the world, and then he made the declaration in Genesis chapter 1 that he's going to create man and woman, male and female, and they are to... Uh, take dominion over life, they're to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, which those are great words. Uh, our pastor preached on that this weekend. God gave mankind, men and women, authority, and so he made that declaration, then he created a man, and then a little, little bit later on he created a woman, and they got married. By the end of Genesis chapter 2, we have a marriage, right? So the Bible begins with a marriage. Marriage is like the foundation of everything in life. If we don't have uh, marriage, we don't have a church tonight because we, we can't go on because we have to reproduce ourselves, right? And God has created men and women to, to make this bond and this covenant of marriage to perpetuate life, to live out a dream, to do something awesome. That's what, when you get married, you are called to do something significant in life together. And it's awesome. It's a high calling. And uh, God created the world for relationships. Marriage is the highest relationship. Marriage is the only relationship that joins two people, a man and a woman. That's who gets married, right? Everybody say a man and a woman. That's God's way, right? And he, crea he created them threefold. He created first a, a person to be a spirit. We are a spirit. You could say it that way. We have a soul or a mind or a thinker, a decider. And then we live in this thing called a body. And so God has created marriage to be uh, connected on all three levels. Uh, first of all, when you get married and you make that commitment and you say those vows, which uh, you guys are about to do, Levi, in just a, three weeks, right? Uh, everything changes. And in a moment of time, because of your, uh, your confession and your commitment, you are joined together in spirit. 
you maintain your individuality, but God sees you as one. And it's a mysterious thing. You can't understand that. Try to figure this out. Two different people, but you're, you become one. The only thing like that is God. God is one, but God is three. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but it's one. And how does that work? I don't know. It's a mystery, but it's amazing. And so God has created you. You're joined in spirit when you make that covenant. But then you have to learn to be uh, together in mind, which means you have to work on it. You, you don't think the same. Men and women, write this down in your notes, men and women do not think the same. The thing I noticed when uh, Courtney was opening, pretty much the men had, had one thing that they way that they thought, and the woman has the other. Opposites attract. It's true. God usually calls opposites together so to, cre- to create marriage to take you to a higher level of life that you couldn't reach on your own. So you have to work on the way you think, and then you're joined physically in, in, in body. And this is God's way. This is what God created marriage to be, to join somebody, spirit, soul, and body. There's no other relationship like that. And God has designed the world for relationships. This is the highest relationship. And because of that, the devil fights this harder than anything else in the world. And great marriages don't just happen. You have to invest in your marriage. You have to, you have to be the one to, to put order into your marriage. Both of you have the responsibility to do that. There's this word that I want to talk about for a minute. It's called entropy. Entropy. That means the gradual decline into disorder. And I have a, an object lesson I want to give you here. This is a uh, little jar that we put together, and it's got five different colors of little balls, right? And we tried the best we could to layer these. So you have uh, the bottom layer's gold. The, yeah, the second layer is white. We have silver. Then we have red, and we have green. And these all represent the priorities of life, okay? They begin with the bottom layer, which is the foundation of all life, and that's God. That's God comes before anything else in your life. God is designed to be the priority of your life, right? So God is on the bottom. That doesn't mean he's below you. That means he's the foundation of all success in life. Then the next layer is white, and that's marriage. And if you are married, that represents the next most important priority in your life. So God comes first, and then Trudy comes second. But you know what? A lot of the time... The two interact. And by that I mean sometimes God's plan for me is to put Trudy first and make her a big-time priority. Does that make sense? So second layer is white. That's your spouse. Next layer is silver, and that represents your children. Your children are the third priority of your life. They come after your wife. They don't come before your wife. Here's the thing about kids. They're, they're, there's nothing like kids. We have two. We have Five grandchildren. We have a great-grandchild on the way. Isn't that awesome? But, um, and I love them all, but here's the thing about kids. You raise them, you invest in them, but there's coming a day they will leave you. And that's God's way, right? They grow up, it happens really quick, and then they leave and go live their life. But they are the third priority of your life. Next is red, and I believe that's the church. Red represents the blood of Jesus, right? And we, in order to fulfill our destiny in life, you need to find your place in the body of Christ, the local church. Very, very important to your success. Trudy and I, years ago, made a commitment when we got saved. We weren't saved right away. 
and we got filled with the Holy Spirit, and we just we said we we need a church, and we found out that church was central to our success in life. Hearing your pastor every week preach something that relates to you, that fuels you, the Word of God in your life through the ministry gifts is so very important. So that's the fourth priority of life. And then number five is green, and that means everything else. Your career, your job, your ability to produce fruit. Uh, green represents uh, fruit and bearing fruit, right? So this is God's way, but here's what happens because of the fall. All this got shook up. That's all out of order. I'll put this up here so you can see it. Everything's out of order, right? So here's what we're going to do. Whoop. We're going to sit here and wait while everything comes back into order. You ready? Watch it. Hmm. It's not happening, is it? I know. Let's, uh, let's pray. Let's pray that God will put everything back into order. You ready? Father, we pray in Jesus' name you'd put everything back into order by a miracle. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take God a minute. Let's wait, okay? It's not going to happen, is it? Because it doesn't work that way. Entropy is the gradual uh, uh, decline of order, and that's what the enemy did to life. And so here, the only way that this is going to come back into order is I have to dump those out and begin to place them back. And there's work involved. And now God wants to help you, right? But he's not just going to do it for you. You have to use your authority and your faith, and you can no matter where you are tonight. Let me give you some hope. No matter how this is messed up, no matter what the order is, if you'll begin to live by God's priorities and learn some things and you're willing to do some work, you can bring order back to your life in Jesus' name. The scripture says, if the foundations are destroyed, this is Psalms 11.3, what can the righteous do? If you don't rebuild the foundation of your marriage, like you see here, everything will be destroyed. Proverbs 24.3 says, and this is the Amplified, I love how it says it. Through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, a life, a home, a family is built. And by understanding, it is, a sab it is established on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge, its rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, it doesn't say that a house is built with love, <laughs> does it? It says it's built with wisdom. And wisdom is knowledge and understanding acted upon. That's what wisdom is. You can have all the knowledge in the world. You can read every marriage book there are, but unless you apply those things, you, you will not rebuild anything because there's no wisdom in it. God wants us to use wisdom to build our homes, and it takes work. It takes a lot of work. Now, this morning, it was so interesting. We have prayed and prayed over this, and uh, yesterday, as we were preparing, we've, we've prepared, they've prepared. Kristen texted me, and she said she had been praying in a car, and she said, um, I was listening to the song by Carrie Job, The Blessing. I don't know if anybody's heard that here, but it's a wonderful song. 
And she said, I began to weep and I began to sing that song over our people. And when she said that, it, everything was already stirring in me about this, this, this meeting tonight, this equip class. Because I thought this could be the change for the rest of your life tonight. It's so important to God. And I'm meditating on that. And at 6.30 this morning, as soon as my eyes opened, the Spirit of God was in my room. And he began to talk to me and show me some things. And I mean, I jumped out of my bed. Because when your father, the head of the universe, starts talking to you, you put everything aside. And I ran and I got my phone because this stuff was coming to me so fast that I couldn't write it down. So I just started putting it on my phone. And the first thing I saw, and I'm going to read some of it to you just simply because I don't, if I started preaching it, I'd preach weeks on this. And we don't have time for that, but I want you to get the heart of God for this. As I began to hear God's voice, suddenly I saw a little mini vision, and not like I went out or anything spooky. It was like an, an, an imagination unfolded before me. And I saw a couple, and they were walking along, and they were glued, glued together. They couldn't even, they were just walking, but they were glued together. And then one of them fell down. And the other one looked at, at the one that had fallen down. And they said, um, you know what? I don't really need you anyway. I can do this by myself. And they started to walk again. The one, the one that was the strong one that, sit, that said, I'm going to go on without you. But they couldn't move because they're glued to this other person. And they're dragging them now. And they're dragging them. And they're getting annoyed. I don't want to drag you along. I don't want you anymore. I don't need you anymore. And suddenly, I saw the person that was the strong one. All of a sudden, the Spirit of Christ came upon them. And they were filled with the love and the grace of Jesus. And when they got filled with the love and the grace of Jesus, they turned back to the one that had fallen. And they reached down and they got him by the hand. And they pulled them back up and they said, we're glued together. We're going to make it. We're going to go on. We're going to do our purpose. And we're going to do what God has told us to do. And the Lord said, you got to change the me to the we. That's what marriage is. There's, you're not two. You're one. You're one. And the very strengths that you have at times will pull the other one out of their weakness. And, 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 and you'll even begin as you grow together for 50 years, you're going to begin to even know what they think, everything about them, their body language, and it's worth every ounce of investment that you put in them. And this is what the Lord told me. <laughs> he said, and I heard this actually, he reminded me from a movie that I had just seen. And God will talk to you like that. And I'd been watching Schindler's List, and at the end, it's so moving because this man had given up his life and his fortune to try to help save 1,100 Jews that were going to Auschwitz to the gas chambers. And on the last day, he was saying goodbye. He was now a war criminal. And they all got together, all these Jews that he saved, all 1,100 of them. And they took some gold, and they made him a little ring, and they put it on his finger. And he began to weep and weep. And he said, if I could just save one more, just if I could have just saved one more. And they began to say, no, you, you did the best you could do. And they said, your ring says, your little gold ring says, 
he who saves a life saves the world. And the Lord told me, better yet, he who saves a marriage saves the world. And this is what he told me. Marriage is not just a priority. It was the preeminent foundational relationship that God shows. Marriage is the stability of the kingdom. In Genesis 1.26, God gave his kingdom directive. He said, let us, Father, Son, and Spirit, let us let them. Let us let them. See, it's us he wants to work through. Then he said, I want them to be in our image. And that mean, that's not physical. It means the spiritual personality and moral likeness. You ha- he said, they've got to know the directives, and they are in my manual. And he said, they have the owner's manual, and it's called the Word of God. And if you know anything about the manual, the manual means the mind of the maker. And there is nobody that knows you, knows either one of you, better than the, the, uh, the mind of the maker. He made you. He knows what you need. He knows how to put you back together. He knows how to make you strong. Verse 28, he says, and this is all things God gave me. God blessed them and gave them certain authority. He gave them rulership, not ownership, because the earth's the Lord's. But he gave you rulership as a married couple. You are worth so much more to him as a couple than you could ever dream. Because marriage is, the, is like Ken said, it is a first relationship, which means that's the dearest to his heart. Because there is no world without married couples. There is no world. And then he gave him the, the directives. He said, be fruitful together. Multiply together. Fill the earth together. Subjugate. Bring everything under your power because we have authority now. Together, have dominion together. God chose men and women in the marriage relationship for the expansion of the kingdom of God. God chose couples. All through the word, you see great couples that God chose. And they all had troubles and they all made mistakes, but they all had a purpose and they got back up and began to go again. Adam and Eve, they made a mess, okay? But they got back up and God put the skins of animals on which meant blood was blood was shed to get them back on their feet. And then they started again. And then, of course, Abraham and Sarah. If you've studied their life, they were a mess sometimes too. Abraham lied twice, and he's the father of our faith. I mean, these are people that made mistakes. And then, of course, one of the greatest couples in the world. Thank God for them. And they went through hard times. And that was Mary and Joseph. And they brought us the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord told me, he said, tell them to do this with their heart tonight. Joshua 5, 13, 14. He gave me this for you guys tonight. And the words of the Lord of the host, when Joshua came to him, were, he said, are you for me or against me? And the Lord of hosts said, neither are you for me. He's not for one of you or the other one. He's saying to you tonight, are you for me? See, tonight we want to be for him. Our mar- and he told me this. 
Protecting your marriage is one of the highest forms of worship on this earth. We think of worship as singing a song, but when you act on God's word and you work towards his directives and putting your life back together for his purpose, for his kingdom, you are worshiping God tonight with putting your marriage back together. That's good. Yeah. Aren't you glad they can fill you with hope? <laughs> you know, before we move on, one thing I want to say about this, you know, it's unique. They were talking about chaos. And as we were talking about that, one of the things I thought is, quite honestly, that's this right here is kind of what it starts like when we get married. We, when we get married, not everything's necessarily together. And the reason for that is, is like I was thinking about it from a standpoint of Kristen and I when we got married. We both grew up in great homes. Our parents are still together. Like we, we didn't necessarily have completely different experiences. However, we, bro we both still brought stuff into the marriage that, you know, we were broken. We had some things that we had to deal with. And the coolest thing about intimacy with your spouse is God has designed it to where if you're intimate and you share the things that we're going to talk about, together you can build that better than anybody else. And it's so important because, honestly, you do become two halves of a whole. Like Pastor Ken said, you're not an individual anymore. You're together. And I know this, in our marriage and in our life, where I've had the most healing, it's great to be in a tribe group. It's great to be in a his group and all that other stuff. But, man, where you can have the most healing is when you and your spouse come together two halves of a whole, come together as one, God will begin to use the strengths that she has and the strengths that I have together so that we can heal those things and that we can move on. So it's, it's, it's really, really cool. It's, it's, um, it's really what, like Genesis 2 says, it's two shall become one flesh, and it's a process. That is so good. Um, I'm really excited about what we're talking about. So one of the things that we wanted to cover as we were meeting about this and praying about this you mentioned something in our meeting about intimacy and what intimacy uh, really means. Can you share that with us? Yeah, so we were, we were talking, and as I thought about intimacy and what intimacy is, um, obviously there's the sexual side of intimacy, and we're going to get to that, which is fun. I never thought I'd be sitting on a stage talking about sex with my mom and dad sitting in the room, so <laughs> that's going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Uh, but as I was thinking about intimacy, Honestly, another word that you could use for intimacy is transparency. And so when you're thinking about, again, like I said, it, it goes back to what Genesis 2 says, two becoming one. It's really the law of partnership. It's really the two of you coming together. And in the Bible, it talks about how Adam and Eve were naked and then they were, they were unashamed. That's not necessarily just talking about their, their physical nakedness. That's talking about everything, their, their emotional state, their spiritual state. It is so important when you're talking about intimacy is to be completely transparent with your spouse and you share everything. Um, I love this, this quote here or this thought. It's when you are intimate with your spouse or so transparent, you're commingled to the point that you share everything. And I, I think what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to when we get into marriage, um, whether with stuff that we're bringing into marriage before we get to marriage or even maybe stuff that happens when we're in marriage, is you kind of have these things to where you're like, yeah, and I really don't want to tell my spouse about that. Or there's this area that I don't necessarily have to share with her. And the problem that that creates, and we'll talk about this a little bit later with a specific instance in our marriage. But I can remember when there was an element of something that I didn't want to share with Kristen. And one of the things that the enemy is really good at doing and that you really have to guard against when you're talking about intimacy is this. Is if I'm withholding something from her. The enemy does a good job of making me think she's doing the exact same thing. 
And so what ends up happening is I'm going, I don't want to share this with her, but maybe there's this thought that comes into my mind because that's what he can do. He can begin to accuse your spouse uh, to you, and, and you've got to be able to recognize that. And the hard part is, is when you're holding back, when you're holding something in, and you begin to think those thoughts, you really don't go to your spouse and talk about it because there's this thing that you have that you haven't shared. And so now it creates this cycle where you create this tension and really this unrest between each other that's unhealthy that you can't walk through and work through. So it's so important that you guys do that. I, I'll say, and, and this may create a little bit of, of uncomfort. And so here's, here's what I do want to say. Tonight, as we were praying, this is one of the things that I thought about. If something begins to rise up in you and you begin to maybe get a little uncomfortable or go, no, I don't like that, I just want to encourage you to kind of dismiss that and allow yourselves to really hear what God's wanting to say to you in this because I really do believe that there's some significant stuff when it, when it comes to intimacy. I, I, I would ask you this, like, is there any area of your life that your wife or your husband doesn't have access to? Because here's the danger with it when you're not intimate, when you're not transparent. Anything that you've decided to say, hey, you know what, I'm not going to share with her, it's like walking out the back door and propping it open and letting the enemy set a trap up there. And that's what's happening. And the problem is, is that very thing, and here's, here's what's true about it. You may have dealt with it. Like you may right now be in a really good space and go, you know what, it's not an issue. But the problem is, is if you're not transparent and intimate at that level with your spouse, there's still a trap in the back door that you could walk through and it could get you. And so you have to be vigilant. You have to share that thing. I would ask you this. I, I know we talk to a lot of people. Uh, do, you, do you share the same bank account? If you don't, I really want to encourage you, make an appointment, go to the bank this week, get anything that you have that's open. Do you share, uh, does your wife have access to your phone? Does your husband have access to your phone? Are there things on there that, that, that when, it, when it comes time or you ask those questions, that they're off limits? No, I don't want to talk about it. It's very, very important uh, for you guys to, to be transparent in that way. Like, again, like Genesis says, completely naked, completely open with each other, co-mingled to the point that you share everything. And what's important about it, too, is when you get to that thing, I know the exciting part is, is when you begin to work through those issues, the things that we're commingled to the point now is we get to share the same dreams. We get to share the same vision. It helps, it births stuff in our kids. It births stuff in our marriage. And really, at that point, once you get to it, man, it really allows God to put, put air underneath the wings, and, and it, it'll take off. That's so good. No one can partner in intimacy with you quite like your spouse can. That's right. They're designed to partner with you in intimacy. So as we were talking about some of this stuff, we did cover some things that might stop you from experiencing true intimacy. Um, Kristen, can you give us some more information on some things that might stop you from experiencing intimacy? Yes, I think um, as we've talked through this and met a couple different times and we're praying through it, we have to really understand what true intimacy is. And I know they, Pastor Ken and Trudy have hit on that. Josh has talked about transparency. But we have to understand, too, it doesn't start in the bedroom. And um, last night as I was trying to go to bed, um, I was praying. I'm getting excited about tonight. But I really felt like the Lord shared this with me. And we have to shift our mindset of intimacy. And in the world we live in today, it's really cultural-based intimacy that we hear a lot of and see a lot of. And in, um, But culture-minded intimacy leads to gratifying the fleshly desires, but a spiritual intimacy in your marriage leads to satisfying your mind, body, and soul. And so I think if you really um, go back to what true intimacy is, it starts with what the Word of God says and your intimacy with God and then your intimacy with your spouse like they talked about. And so um, I know for us, priorities, when they got out of whack, like we can read each other now and know like, 
hey, you haven't had your quiet time today. Like, he told me the other day, he was like, yeah, you need to go have some quiet time. But, like, we have to make our priorities. Um, I didn't say it like that. I he was her. super nice. Yeah, I was yeah. like, hey, have you had your quiet time? I'd love to take the kids. You can get no. along with the Lord. Write, write that but down. That's a yeah. great. Have you had your quiet time? Ask your spouse if they are a little <laughs> off. Hey, am I, you have your, no. But the true intimacy with us, um, we realized it wasn't all about the bedroom. And also, I think to the degree at which your intimacy is with God can also reflect your intimacy with your spouse. So if you're being intimate in your quiet time with the Lord and you are sharing that, it's a relationship. It's only going to um, reflect and make your marriage better as well. So um, get your priorities in order. Yeah. But we're, yeah. Yeah. That's true. You know, uh, when we counsel people, one of the things that happens a lot of the times is people get at a stalemate. Or they got hurt somewhere. When we're talking about intimacy and opening up to each other, one of them hurt the other one. And so they don't want that to happen again. So they freeze and they just go, okay, I'm only going to so, go so far so far, because I'm not going to let that happen again. And uh, maybe you've experienced communication breakdowns, whatever. But what you have to do, it, it, nothing changes. Once again, remember entropy? Nothing changes until you start changing. Yeah. Uh, and so you have to make some steps. You have to do Somebody said this, you probably heard it before, if you only do what you've always done, you'll only have what you've always had. Yeah. You have to honestly look at the situation. Are we really communicate? Are we really, uh, you know, does, does my spouse have my heart like they should? Are there chambers that I have here that I'm not opening up to? And here's the thing about it. Somebody has got to move toward communication. Yeah. You got to write that down. Somebody's yeah, going to have to make a move or it won't change. And here's the deal. The way God designed marriage to work, remember I, I mentioned this, the man was created first. And God put the man in the Garden of Eden. And Adam had some things in line before Eve ever came on the scene. He had a job. He was a tender of the garden. He had a relationship with God. He had some disciplines in his life. He was not supposed to eat from the, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he had a, uh, a place to live. And he, God did all that so he could bring his wife-to-be, Eve, into a great environment. So God created the man to lead in every area. Didn't say he was superior, but he is to be the leader. Men are to lead. And here's the deal. 99% of the time, 99.7% of the time, if men will lead, the woman will follow you anywhere. That's good. You don't want to 99, what did I say, 99.7? Yeah, 99.7. And you, you say, where'd you get that stat, Brother Ken? I just made it up. But I know it's true. <laughs> because I, and, and you can't say 100% because women have a will too. Yeah. But listen, in her heart of hearts, if she loves God, she wants to follow a man of God that is making a path. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, with the question of what things can, can derail intimacy, one of the things I just thought about is, and it's it's the tr it's truth with like we were talking about with priorities, is you've got to make a commitment. It's the same way with your relationship with the Lord. You've got to make a commitment that you will never turn your heart away from your spouse, and you never turn your heart away from the Lord. I, I know most of the time when there is is fighting or there's an argument, very rarely is it the issue, is the issue. It boils down to you just don't care. <laughs> you you just don't care about what I care about, and then the problem is is if you're not careful and you're not working through these things, you can allow your heart to turn away from your spouse. 
And when that begins to happen, that's, that's really when you're in a dangerous road. So you've got to make the commitment to sit here and go, okay, the, one of the, and at least realize, hey, one of the worst things that can happen or one of the be, be, best ways to derail intimacy is if, if I turn my heart away from my spouse. I'm making a commitment. I'm not going to allow that to happen. So let me ask you a question. So, so you say, how does this begin? How do I begin this thing? It all begins with your words. Your words are so important. One of the things you have to realize, we're talking about intimacy here. And right now we're talking about soul and intimacy. How, how, that's, that's your mind. How do you connect? That's one of the most important parts of your marriage. But one of the things you got to look at, and especially for women, it's like we're talking about men and women and opening up. Women are very moved by words. Men speak words. Women experience words. Does that make sense? They, they are much, words mean a whole lot more to a woman than they do. I mean, they, they're different for a woman. Uh, I had a brother-in-law, he's just gone to heaven, but he used to be a coach. And he was talking about when he would coach. He could coach boys, and he could talk to them a whole different way. And he said, I had a little boy's team. And he, he could kind of jump on them, you know, and make them be a man, get up there and do. And so some, some coach was sick, and he said he had to um, coach a little girl's team. So he went in there, and he tried to coach the little girls' team like the little boys' team. And he said, I couldn't even, they would, couldn't even play. They all ended up crying because I didn't, I didn't know how to treat them. And one thing you've got to understand about words, words are connectors. Words cause oneness. See, the way God created this world was with his words. You create your world with your words. And, and, and also words, they connect you. It's like, it's like a little spider web you throw out there. You, you throw a words out there, and somebody else throws a word back to you, and it begins to bond you. And the more in conversation that you get with someone, uh, the more that you begin to bond with them. That's why you've got to be very, very careful, even in your relationships outside of your marriage, who you're talking to a lot. Because you can get into a situation where you've given all the best words you've got to everybody else, some woman at work, and she, she starts talking to you, and you say, good morning, and she says, good morning, and you say, how are you? And she says, I'm fine, and how's your family? Well, you know what? I'm going through a terrible time. And she starts needing something from your husband. I need you to let, I need you to help me right now because this hurts. And why did it hurt? And then you start getting into these conversations that you have no business getting into with someone that only belongs to your wife. There are words that only belong to your wife. And I don't like it when I find out something, and he knows this. If something happens and I'm the last to find out and it's something special for him that I should know, I am telling you, it makes me fighting mad. Fighting, <laughs> fighting mad. Yeah. Get she him, wants Ms. to know Judy. it first. <laughs> because his words are mine first. You understand that? And, and words are bonds. The very authority that you have is the law of binding and loosing. How do you, how do you, I used to wonder, how do we have authority? You have authority with your words. You can bind things and you can loose things. You can bind your family with your words or bind your wife or your husband or loose them with your words. So you've got to be careful, men especially. When you're, when you're talking to your wife, she needs your love. She needs, your, she needs words, a lot of words. A lot of words. 
It keeps you connected. If you want to be intimate, let me just tell you something. If you want to be intimate in the bedroom, if you'll be intimate with her and give her words and let her know you love her and she's number one and there's no secrets like they said, it creates this wonderful intimacy that translates into every other part of your life. Let me read scripture, baby. Uh, th- this speaks to that. We're talking about men leading in this too. It says, husbands, Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your own wives. Not everybody else is yours. You have one. Even as Christ also loved the church, that's our example, and has delivered himself up for it in order that he might sanctify it, pur- purifying it by the washing of the water of the word. Think about how Jesus leads the, Jesus is the husband of the church, right? How does he lead the church? With his word, with his words. Jesus is never going to say to you, you screw up. Why do you keep doing this over and over? You're, you're an idiot. Jesus never says that. What does he do? He gives you his word, which, yes, you miss it from time to time. We all do. But we go back to his word, and it builds us back up to lead our wives and begin the cycle. Yeah, great question to ask is, what's, what's it like to be on the other side of my mouth? Oh, yeah. So write so, that down. Yeah, write that down. Write that down. <laughs> let, me, let me say this, and I'll give it to you, Courtney. Yeah. Just make this statement. It may be harder for a man to open up. It kind of is, you know, because we're guys. And women don't have much problem open, opening up. But we're men. We're like, how you doing? Good. <laughs> What'd you do today? Worked. You know, we're <laughs> men a few words. But you are designed to lead in your marriage, and you're designed to lead in your words. And lead in communication. All right, so let's talk about um, what what are some things you can do to create intimacy. We've talked about intimacy a lot and things that stop intimacy, but what can you do to create intimacy? Outside of the bedroom, we're still there. (laughs) We'll we'll get there. We'll get to the end, yes. But um, like she talked about, words are connectors. And the more information I have, the more... um, I like it. (laughs) I like it when he talks to me. And so the more we communicate and the more he opens up to me and comes to me and shares stuff with me without me having to come to him and ask for it is completely different. Um, So, like, man, a few words. If if he comes home and he's like, yeah, I had a great day. Okay, great. How was your lunch? Like, you got to fill me in on these things. So I don't – because then he's going to think that I'm trying to pull it out of him and, like, I don't trust him and stuff like that. But Oh, she she tries to pull it out of me. (laughs) If you come to the uh, your spouse first, your wife, it is, I mean, it makes you feel really, really good as a, as a wife. It does. It fills that need of communication, so talking. But also we have different ways of communicating and different spaces to communicate to create intimacy. Um, date nights are not a place for financial talk or kids or jobs, things like that. Like that's a place you create um, intimacy and to have fun and laugh and enjoy life together and it's hard we have three kids and I, I think the hardest thing for us is to not talk about them but if we always talk about them then we lose interest in each other and the whole date night is to put away your phone put away your work your emails because every <laughs> yes everything's connected I recently just deleted Facebook off of my phone because I realized like it's such a time waster on my phone that I just had to take it off and so um, you have to communicate, and one space you create to create intimacy is your date nights 
is different than a business meeting. So we talked about and set up business meetings a certain day of the week. And during that time, it could be 15 minutes, could be 30 minutes, depending on where we're at in life. But that's where you talk about your financials. That's where you talk about the schedules for the kids. I'm taking them here. You're taking them there. I'm going to be out of town. What do we need to get done at the house? Honey-do list, <laughs> his favorite. Um, but those type of things, when we, if he comes to me during the day and I'm trying to homeschool the kids because I know we all have crazy schedules right now and your kids may be at home and you're trying to work, trying to manage your children and love your spouse and make dinner and all these things, it can be kind of chaotic and look like this maybe. But if he reads me and knows, now's probably not the best time to come in and say, hey, did you pay that bill? Or, hey, did you do that? Because I might freak out. <laughs> I might be like, are you seriously asking me that right now? Um, but you just learn to communicate and read each other and know that, okay, this is a set-aside date night time. To, we love on each other, laugh, reminisce, dream, those type of things. And then you have your space of financial talk and things like that. Anything to add? Well, one of the things you, you, you do... Okay. It's going to be good. <laughs> uh, one thing you got to learn is the, the art of listening. Yes. And let me give you, because communication is not just talking, okay? Communication is also listening. And listening is not just, you know, they, they say that people listen in a conversation. They'll listen for maybe 10 to 15 seconds, and then they begin to play in their mind what they want to say as a reply to what's being said, right? So they're really un, un, unhooked from listening. They're not really listening. They're just thinking about what they want to say because they've got a great comeback, right? Because your words are the most important. But you have to <laughs> learn how to listen to your spouse. So let me give you some laws of listening. Uh, look into her high eyes when she's talking, guys. So she's talking, look into her eyes because eyes are the connectors. The eyes, somebody said, are the windows of the soul. And that helps you connect on a deep, deeper uh, emotional level. Uh, touch whenever you're you're having a discussion and and when you're having a heated discussion and, and some people would call that an argument I don't know if you ever do that let me throw in something about arguments uh, Trudy and I have been married for 50 years right 50 years that's a long time 1970 we got married uh, we've been saved for most of that serving God and pretty much every day of our life we disagree about something yes we do Every day. Sometimes heated disagreements. Well, not every day. But, but sometimes we do. Yeah, sometimes we do. But because <laughs> the reason is we're so different. Are you, you know? about to demonstrate a disagreement to us? Yeah, right can we, now. Can we come up can with something? Can we do something? a heated one? Yeah. For, you know, for object lesson purposes. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have anything? Yes. <laughs> I disagree with you. No, not really. Um, While I have you. You know, I got to tell you, sometimes she, she'll tr start talking to me, and she's going somewhere, and I'm, I'm kind of going, and, and I don't know where she's going. I'm trying, but I'm thinking, and sometimes, you ever heard of circling the wagons? <laughs> I mean, and, and we'll go, we'll, they'll tell this story about this and, and about that 25 years ago, and then, and, and I have said this before, honey, I love you. I want to listen, but is there a point in here? <laughs> and what do I say? I say, sometimes she, sometimes she did. I forgot what we, were, forgot talking what we about. were talking about. Because we can get really petty, but I mean, marriages can, we can get petty, but anybody can get petty. Um, one of the things you have to do is be gracious to your husband when you're talking to him. Because sometimes husbands can get on your nerves, okay? They can't. And 
And one of the things women do when their husbands get on their nerves or you don't think they're listening, which, by the way, if a man is, most of the time men, if they're concentrating on something, like if they're watching television or something and you're talking to them and you think they're ignoring you, they're not, they can't hear you. Because men think in one track and they kind of have to go, okay, wait a minute, what? That's how they do. And, and that annoys women because they think, what's wrong with you? But see, women think out of both sides of the brain at the same time. Women don't have to do that. No. They can carry on a conversation with four or five women and know what every one of them are saying at the same time, put on mascara, stir spaghetti, and they're fine. Because they're very, they multitask. And they're very complex. Very. Very, very complex. <laughs> and so you got to learn how to communicate with each other. And this is something we were talking about the other day. We were all discussing how that sometimes probably we do circle the wagons a lot. And all of a sudden you've lost their interest because men, they just, it's like, give me the details. I mean, no, give me the, the, the facts. I got all the details. What is it you want from me? Okay. And, and so you got to be careful because if they're not listening, then this is what happens. The nag. You get the nag on. The anointing of nag. The anointing of nag. I even know, I, I know some pastor friends. And she just goes to her husband and says, look, um, we're in a situation right now, and I just want to let you know, I really need you to communicate with me because the nag is coming on. See? And the scripture says, if you nag, you're like a continual dripping. Drip. They used to torture people with that. Just let water just drip, drip. See? See, so, to, so your communication skills are really important. That's why we're talking about words. We're talking about how to, to, to interact with each other and learn to, uh, let me give you a little action tip here. This is really good. When a man begins to listen to you, one of the reasons they maybe quit listening after 15 seconds is because their brain, when you have a problem, is going into action mode. And they're thinking, she's got a problem. I'm her protector. I want to fix this. So they start going in fixer mode, start trying to, to solve your problem. But let me just tell you something, girls. If you don't want them to solve your problem, tell them up front. Because women, they de-stress by talking most of the time. And so tell your husband right up front, I need to talk to you. I just need a friend right now. And, and if you'll just let me talk a while you don't have to fix anything especially on date night this is and and they'll say i just need to talk to you i just need to give you my heart for a minute and this is what will probably happen and this blows guys away they'll start talking and because they're emotional they'll probably start crying a little tears will flow and 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 men are sitting there going i don't know what to do she's crying don't do anything they just need to cry let them let them hear your heart and then when it's all over, they'll, they'll probably do this. They'll take a big, deep breath. Oh, I feel so much better. And this guy's going, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> but they need, the, one of the most important things a woman needs is, the, is for you to know her heart and care about it. That's a, that's a huge issue for women because that's how they're made and that's how they have to operate. They've got to have, know that their husband has their heart. Right. One of the things we talked about was creating a safe space and making sure that you are aware that this is a safe space conversation. Uh, when you're asking for feedback, it's important not to blame each other, to shame or gaslight 
your spouse, don't shut them down. If, you've, if you're having the conversation, it's not the time to shut them down. Uh, you want to come into the conversation with a genuine heart to fix what's going on, not fix the perspective of the other person. So we talked about that. So when you have these times of vulnerability, don't try and fix it or blame. Just give your spouse the opportunity to be vulnerable with you. Um, let's go ahead and move on. Josh, I think you, ha- you guys had a story you wanted to share about developing intimacy. Um, so for the first year of our marriage, we spent maybe a couple months together, a month maybe. Yeah, about a month. Well, we have two wedding days. A lot of you may not know that. We Some of you may. <laughs> we we like to celebrate both. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, April 11th, we uh, got married with our parents and a uh, minister, and then we had our wedding May 29th, and then he got deployed. And I knew this going into it, but I will say this, God works in weird ways because at one point during our dating phase, I did tell him, I don't think I could be married to a person in the military. Here I this am was today. one of the three breakups. <laughs> she broke up with me three times. So but I'll just share that. We give you a little back. I'm not bitter about it. <laughs> a little history. But um, no, the fun part about it is we wouldn't ever change it at all because it's one of the most um, inspiring moments in our lives, I think, that first year apart. He got deployed in June, and he lived in Mississippi, wonderful Mississippi, Gulfport, for three months. So I had the option to go down there and visit him, and we stayed in a hotel or whatnot. But it was, I probably went down three times, and that was intimacy time. That was talking, that was our intimate times, and as a freshly new married couple, you know, there's a lot of fun in there. But then he was gone. So we had nine months where the only way we could communicate, because he was overseas in Iraq, was um, we had to be very creative in what we did, but... We talked. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Courtney. That's okay, not that's not where about. I'm going with that. This is the we're outside not the bedroom p- section. Sorry, okay. we're not there yet. That's next. That's right. We're not there. A lot of pictures going on with that statement. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, so uh, we would write letters to each other, and we had to learn how to communicate to one another because he, he did, he called me every morning and every night, which was the opposite over there. So when I was waking up, he was ending his day, and when um, I would wake up, he was starting your day? No, I got to mix up. Yeah. But whatever. It. Doesn't matter. The point was he made a point to call me every single day. And I, a lot of the guys over there in the military didn't choose to call their spouse. So I felt on cloud nine when he would call. And I will say this, even though we were apart, not even living together, we still could argue on the phone. <laughs> it would happen because I was taking care of finances and there was still my world of things going on. And I had to share with him what was going on. And that was through the phone. We Skyped maybe once or twice, but the majority of it was through letters, handwritten letters. And going back through the garage and cleaning stuff out, I found a box of them this week and was reminded of a few of the things. And I wrote it. I wrote a letter, I think, almost every day. I mean, if not every other day. And would send a care package every week. And it would be special things from home. And um, you can ask, ask him about Girl Scout cookies later. He can tell you that story. But... What I did pull out the other day was a photo of a, he printed off a couple photos on these letters that he sent me, and on the back of them, he would write to me on it. So one of them I pulled out in particular was a hot air balloon, and this is about um, him coming into my world during this time because I want to go on a hot air balloon ride, and during that time, it's still a dream of mine. He hasn't come with me on there yet, but he will. You but had he, time. I know. Time what? 
actually step into her world and yeah, give I them a hot, it's been 11 yeah. years. Yeah. I know. We, we need a hot air balloon. She's reminding you. That's not what the segment's about. Hey, listen. She's, she's reminding she's you right now. She's circling the wagon to the <laughs> point. We'll get there. No, but the point of it we'll was. We'll get there. No, no, no. He, it was special because we talked about these things, dating and stuff like that. So going back through these letters, I was reading and how we, he wrote about the times we had together as we were dating one another, the good times, and we also dreamt about the future. That was one of the biggest takeaways of him being away is we were able to dream about what our careers were going to look like, having kids together, and that's what kept us together. Like that, yeah. I mean, I could have chosen to be like, peace out, I'm not in anymore, and we're only three months into this marriage, but no, I supported him, and we talked to one another. Even on our phone calls, we had to pull yeah. those things out of each other. There was good days and bad days. And I, yeah, and the one thing that, that I want to end with before we, we move on is the, the coolest thing about that is, and, and this men, this, this goes to you, so women, you can give them a nudge or whatnot, but like we weren't with each other for nine months. Now, with that, I still had to take personal responsibility for her self-esteem, for her comfort, for her security, and that's why our words are so important. Like I would say this, like your wife's self-esteem, your wife's um, value is solely your responsibility. You need to take personal responsibility for that. And it's so important to use your words. And I think that that's what we developed over the course of that nine months. Now, I don't recommend you guys go separate for nine months. Obviously, that's not what, but I'm just saying that I think that the, the fruit that came out of that is something that we've been able to go back to and go, hey, it's, remember that? Remember when we just had, when we just had phone calls, when we just had our words? So, uh, yeah, I think we've, we've echoed that enough that words are so important. Yeah, it's awesome. It's and good. it creates, be creative about it. Right. It, there's different ways to be creative with intimacy outside of the bedroom. And well, I think that the important part is that you guys created that intimacy throughout the entire process so that when you guys came back and you stepped into some of the stuff we're about to talk about, you are still building. We talked for nine months, yes. so we got the talking out of yes, the way. Yes, there was a lot of foundation <laughs> built. All right, so now that we've built the foundation about where the true, true intimacy starts, it starts in your soul, it starts when you're um, truly vulnerable with your partner, let's talk about sex. Let's talk about <laughs> why you're here. Okay, this, this is why we came. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got you. Now you get to get the good stuff. Okay, let's, let's build this on Scripture because we want to know what God thinks about it, right? Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I just hit my button here. Uh, Hebrews 13, 4. Let's read that. Uh, it says this, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, speaking of the marriage bed, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. So here's what God's telling us. Sex is designed for marriage only. Let me say that again. It's designed for, if you want the blessing of God on it, and God wants to bless it. Sex is God's idea. Did you know that? Dirty people didn't create sex. This was God's idea. But So you want his blessing on it. Because when we do things God's way, we get the blessing of God on it. But the blessing will happen when you're married. And then 1 Corinthians 7, 2 says this. But because this is in Paul's day, and uh, I think it's much more true today. But because there is so much sexual immorality, or not people not living by what... We just talked about each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. Notice once again, the man is leading. When the man leads in any area, then it brings order. Leadership is important, the same with sex. 
our pastor said this one time, and I can't say it any better. If you make sure your wife is happy, you're probably going to be happy. (laughs) Thank you. The fourth verse, the wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy, intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. So there's a time you, you pull away from this to get, you know, you're going through things. You need to pray. You need to fast. That's in the Bible. Uh, and you may pull away for a while, but don't do that for very long. Let me finish it up. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So these are just some of the words of God in the New Testament that sex is a good thing, but it's designed to be lived out the way God created it to be. Josh already said this, but Adam and Eve were created in the garden naked, which tells you that the blessing of God was on them. He invented this for us to enjoy and be a big part of our life. And also, you know, a, a lot of times when in, in our culture, there's been a lot of people that have had sex outside of marriage. And one of the things that it can create in your marriage, if you've done that, is, uh, and God forgives you for that. If you ask him to forgive you, repent in the blood of Jesus. But, but one of the things it can create is there was an adventure and a covertness about sneaking around and having sex. And there was a kind of a pleasure in just hiding things and spice and then you get married and it's okay and if you're not careful it can look like the marriage bed was not as exciting as it was before and see God doesn't want it to be that way he wants you to learn that that your marriage bed is a place for you to enjoy sex it's very important to your marriage and uh and so you need to really work on the intimacy of realizing this is just a blessing from God and that it, you don't have to have all that. Sex is not always just about big romantic moments and choir singing and all this music that you see on movies. It, it's not like that. It's a commitment to each other. Choir singing? Yeah, no, you know. Okay. I get you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I think we need a little bit more. <laughs> Disney music, you know. Disney oh, music. These Disney are the music. Tips. If it's Disney music, you're doing it these wrong. These are the tips you came for. I'll just say that right now. Okay. Disney if music a whole new world comes on, <laughs> but, but, yeah. it's time to, we have a care package you can, or a care thing right, you can right. fill out, we'll, we'll counsel okay, you. Okay, wrong, wrong illustration, Woo. but, but, yeah, you need to learn to enjoy your, your, your sex life. I've got some notes. And that's all I'm going to yeah. say on that, that and then good. whoever wants to yeah. go next. Uh, I'll take that hand off. Um, so, I think one of the misconceptions is, is, you know, God, God's not, God's not a prude or, uh, you know, a big fuddy-duddy. He's not like, hey, you know, lights off, missionary, you know, that's it. Like, that's not that's not the case. And I told you we were going there. Yeah. So it, I, I love it. I've heard it said this way, and I think it's said this way the best. So, like, think of sex as like a big yard, okay? And there's a lot to do in the yard, all right? There's a big playground. There's a lot of fun things. I'm just going to – but I'll say this. There's a swing. She just no, said a swing. swing. Miss Trudy just said a swing. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. Swing. Just make sure it's anchored well. Um, <laughs> so uh, you don't want to hurt each other. That's that's yeah. Samari- this is that's a marriage important. class. Yeah. Yeah. This is okay. a marriage class. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So 
Tell us more about the yard. But, yeah, it's a good analogy. So uh, hang on. I promise we're going to get there. So, but if you think about it, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot that's available. But the difference is, or not the difference, but the, the thing is, there are things that aren't allowed. And what, that's what we have to understand. I think Trudy said it best. The, the Bible is the owner's manual to life. And it's not just the owner's manual to, to how we should love God. Or, there's everything that we need to know in every, in every facet of our life, with our children, with our marriage, with business, whatever it is, with our sex, everything is found in God's word. So you have to know what God's word says about sex. And the reason why there's a barrier, like if you think about it in the garden, the garden was perfect, but there was still a hedge around the garden. And the reason for it is God puts protectors in there, and it, it really, I, if you've got kids, you can understand this from a parental standpoint. It's to keep the things that want to harm us out. And the problem that we can run into when we're, we're thinking about sex is if, let's say, for instance, you're experiencing some sort of a lull in your sex life. It's not that great. You've gone into a season where, I don't know, maybe you, you've just had children or work schedules change. I mean, right now we're in, I'm sure some folks, your work schedule's changed and and maybe energy is lacking or whatnot. And a lot of times, if we're not careful, if we don't know what God's word says, we can listen to the voice of the enemy. And what the enemy will try to tell us is, yeah, this little thing here is, is sinful, but you know what? It's going to spice it up and it's going to fix it. And I'm going to tell you, it won't. Any area of sin, regardless of what it is in your life, it's going to do one thing. It's going to lead to death. The Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to do that in your sex life so that it would separate you guys. So it's really important to understand that, and I'll say this, you're not the exception. Don't think for one moment, if you introduce a little bit of sin here, it's going to spice it up and you're not going to be affected by it. I'm telling you right now, you're going to be affected by it. And if you take the personal responsibility to understand, you know what, we're not going to do this, we're going to get through this, we're going to understand what God's word says, and we're going to be protected. I, you, I think you've written down some things that... Yeah, we that, have to uh, remember that it's not our sexual organs that cause us to sin. It starts in our minds. Yeah. And when I was reminded, I was just like, I have to write that down because I think so much in today's world, we blame it on, oh, I feel that way, or blame it on our feelings. Pastor Josh has talked about feelings and stuff like that. But our sexual organs aren't the tempters. It's our minds. So we can start here in our minds and capture that thought or have transparency with your spouse and say, text them right away. I'm having some bad thoughts right now. Will you please pray for me? Call them. Let them know you're struggling. Open up. Let them know because they want to be in your world. You guys are one. We've talked about that and addressed that. Now walk in that oneness. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. So what are the things oh, um, that uh, – this is this is what yeah this is the hedge you. this is what's not allowed so I'll, I'll just not say allowed this. in your backyard is to protect you yeah. from Keep the outside out dangers, <laughs> um, fantasy lusts, homosexuality, rape, fornication, adultery, and incest. Those are the things that protects you from. So your yard is very big and you can be very creative. God created our minds. He Let wants me say us. one more thing: pornography. Yeah. Oh yes, I, I'm sorry. Yes, pornography. Okay. That's the probably the biggest yeah, that's one not out okay of all either. of them. The, biggest one. the lust and pornography. Um, but it's to protect you from that. And Yeah, and so I think one thing that you could ask yourself is, I think there's four good questions to ask yourself when it comes to, is this okay? So write these down. Like, take notes. Uh, is it a sin or is it forbidden? That's number one. So obviously we've addressed that. Yeah, this is, yeah, with sex in a bedroom. Uh, number two is, do we both agree? It's important that you both agree, okay? Like, you don't ever want to. You, you don't want to enter into something that that makes the other spouse uncomfortable or something like that. And number three, is it unsafe or harmful? Okay, you don't want to do anything. Again, like make sure the swing is in 
it's 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 tight. It's not going to fall off. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm being funny. And then number four, does it hurt your relationship? So as you're looking at those four questions, I'm going to tell you, if it checks all those boxes, I would say this. And if you're asking like, okay, so we're good, all those, then I would say, try it. Do it a couple times. Like, I'm just, it's one of those things that if it doesn't fall into those criteria, man, have fun. Get out in the yard. Play. It's it's, it's good. And the more intimate you are outside of the bedroom first, the more intimate you'll be in the bedroom and more transparent you'll be in the bedroom. Like to be open up to talk about those things. I'll say early on, I don't know that we would talk about that stuff. And also, well, we'll get there. Well, right. And I think that when you when you have a safe space in your spouse outside of the bedroom, it's safer for you to ask or do whatever it is you want to do and know that they have you, that yeah. you're safe there. She said something before, like if you're – if you're not good with your words outside of the bedroom, I'm not going to receive them well inside the right. bedroom. Right. Yeah. One of the things that we talked about was a story you told, specifically talking about pornography, and I know we're running low on time here, but uh, you talked about an instance where you finally told Kristen that you were struggling with something, and she had something to say back to you. Can you share that really quick? Yeah, so it's it, it wasn't something that was an active issue. Uh, when I was in Iraq, like we talked about, she, she would just – come right out and ask me, hey, are you struggling with this? Is this an issue? And I, I would tell her, no, I've got an accountability partner over here. And, you know, but to be honest. But also, this accountability partner yeah, he was, was looking at pornography. Yeah, he wasn't a great accountability partner. Uh, <laughs> That's why I would ask the questions. Are you doing she knew okay? That. So, uh, but anyway, I would tell her, no, I'm good. And uh, there were times where it was a struggle. And the problem that it created is for me, and again, this goes back to um, why it's so important to be transparent is the problem that I had, and there was there was some advice that was given to me, and I just want to tell you men, if you've ever been given this advice, I understand why someone probably gave you the advice, but it's terrible advice. The advice that was given was, there's just some things your wife's not going to understand, and you need to have accountability with somebody else. Now I'll say this, there have been times where I can bounce it off another brother in Christ and say, hey, I'm dealing with this. A good accountability partner will say, have you talked to your wife about it? Like, hey, I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to pray, and we're going we're gonna to pray that God would give you the courage to go have this conversation. So, again, it's so important for you to have those relationships in your life. But what ended up happening was, you know, I'm coming back home, and the enemy was like, hey, you don't need to tell her. You need to keep it. Because my fear was, I've been gone for nine months. I'm not going to come home and drop this bomb on her. Like, I'm not, this is not what I want. And then you, you end up kicking the can down the road. And just, and so I, I think it was probably in year seven or eight of our marriage. I'll never forget, I'd gotten back home from the business trip, and I just felt like on the plane, it was just like, it would hit me at different times. And again, not an active issue. It, it had been something that I had dealt with. And I thought, you know, hey, our sex life is great. Our intimacy is great. Like, this is, I don't need to address this. But, man, it was like, I, I began to get real bad anxiety. My, my heart would begin to race. And there was one night I was just laying down, and I said, hey, i got to share something with you. And when I shared it with her, and again, this is, she's so much sweeter than I am. But the thing that she said was, she said, man, I really wish you would have shared that with me a long time ago because I hate that you've had to carry this for the last eight years. And so it's so important when you're dealing with the issues that can destroy your sex life. And I'll say this. I didn't think we could have, I, I thought we were, it, you know, doing great. It's amazing the level of intimacy that that even created and further 
within our sex life and then also just within our normal intimacy. So it's so important for you to be transparent with that stuff. Such a good example of creating a safe space beforehand and, and letting that play out. Pastor Ken, you had some stuff you wanted to share. Uh, I, let's go to the next question. I know okay. we got to move along pretty quickly here. Why don't, why don't you? Uh, Your practical stuff? Yeah let's, yeah, let's talk about some practical things. Yeah, let's, yeah you had a list of some Okay, let me give you some things about. quickly. Write some of these down. You ready? Here we go. Uh, first of all, sex is makes you healthy. Did you know that? It's a stress reliever. You'll sleep more soundly after you have sex. It's a pain reliever from headache to back pain. The hormones released when you have sex are similar to morphine. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, sex boosts your immune system. Having sex boosts an antibody called immunoglobin say that immuno immunoglobin it gives you sex will give you a healthy or youthful glow and we all need that uh the hormones involved make your skin soft and your hair shiny or uh, or your head <laughs> if you don't have hair sex when you have sex you burn calories about 250 so have sex and then have a twinkie because you can, okay? Let's talk about practical. Let's down. get into practical. You ready? Uh, and here's some things from our perspective. And, and you know, Trudy and I are a little older, but we still believe in sex. And, I, you know, I wasn't going to talk about this. <laughs> I mean, I, I debated it. Yeah. I debated it. But, okay. but I'm going to give you the, uh, when you get older, there's three things you never do. Oh, All right? wow. I'm not quite oh, there yet. wow. I got to tell I know. It's, uh, hang uh, in here with okay. me. Number one, you never climb a ladder if you're older. Oh, I'm not around. quite there yet. Number two, you never trust gas. <laughs> not the kind in your car. When you're, older. Older. When you're older. And then number three, you ready for this? You never pass up an erection. <laughs> Moving right along. You heard it here. Write that down. I wasn't going to do that, but I don't know. Is it okay? Uh that's your I mom and dad, Pastor I wouldn't. I think, I think you might have killed David Terry. He's, over, he's not going to recover uh, from the that. The pastor's going to kick me out of the church on that <laughs> he's one. He's not going to uh, recover from that. Okay, here's some things you need That's to do. That's for old From older people, okay? Uh, it's still a very important part of your relationship. It may not be quite as often, but it is still something you need to work at. And you need here's some things you need to do. Uh, schedule it on your calendar. Have a sex date. And this is the day. And prepare, see, sex, I think you said this, yeah. sex doesn't start at night in the bedroom. It starts in the morning with your your attitude and your words. Are we back to words again? Yeah, and just because you schedule it doesn't mean it takes the romance out of it. Not, it just, not at it all. It just means not it's prioritized. All. Not at all. Uh, so you guys give a couple of things because we've got to hurry here. Go ahead, babe. Um, I From your, your perspective, you're, they may not believe this, but you're younger than us. Yeah. It's the hair. He, okay. they, it's hard to believe because Jr. doesn't have. Go ahead, Kristen. Any hair? Um, have a vision for your sex life. That was a big home run for us. Like, make sure that you have vision for your sex life. And I think sitting down and talking about it after you've created intimacy in your marriage outside of the bedroom, it's going to be easy to create vision for inside it. And I think we talk a lot about vision for your life and like where it should be and vision for your kids and how to raise a family. But how often are we sitting around talking about what we want our sex life to look like? They give practical examples, schedule it, make a date it's on a the calendar. Meeting. It's a fun meeting. Uh, have a his night and a her night. 
like have him pick out some things maybe for you to wear. I don't know. Have a her night. Let <laughs> you want to pipe in going. here? No. <laughs> He's here for all of I it. Have, he doesn't care. I have said enough. Be intentional. Make there's been times where he's offered to put the kids to bed. Hey, babe, I've got the kids tonight. I homeschool. I stay at home all the time. So it's nice if he's like, hey, lend a helping hand. I got the kids. You go take a bath. Relax. You go light the candles. Light the candles. <laughs> put on some Disney music. <laughs> um, I will world. say this. <laughs> Akuna Matata. The, uh, did you say Nutella? What did you say? I, no, just keep going. Okay. The less sex you have, the less sex you're going to have. Like, the more sex you have, the more you will want it. That's what we've learned the older That ought gotten. to be a scripture. Yeah. Yep. The more sex you have, the more you want it, and the more you realize you need it. Like, all he talked about, those are all great, but it brings you together. Um, do you have anything you want to add? Uh, don't get into comparisons. Uh, and really what I mean by that is, like, if if four or five times a month works for you, that's great. That's what works for you. But don't don't listen to your your friends at work or whatnot talk about how, you know, it's 10, 15, 20, 30 times a month. <laughs> I, I mean, just don't. I, it, because what you're going to end up getting into is going, man, is something wrong with us? Like, yeah. we're, And that's why it's so important to have a vision for it. Like, Be careful and, having and those have conversations that yeah, at work. Absolutely. And don't read, like, men's health magazines because I don't know how much of that stuff's true. Like, right. talk to your spouse about it. You guys figure out each other. Don't take somebody else's advice from a magazine to decide what the point is for yeah. your marriage. Or it could be women's magazine. Okay, I'll cover this last part, and then we can we can pray out. Um, one of the things that they wanted to cover really quick was um, prayer and sex go together. There's a recent s- survey that revealed that couples who pray together are the happiest couples, and couples who frequently pray together are twice as likely to describe their marriage as highly romantic. This is one of those intimacy moments when you pray together. It's amazing how many people are having sex and not praying together. If you're having sex, you should be praying together. And when you're praying together... Then have sex, okay? Um, Couples have also reported considerably higher sexual satisfaction and ecstasy after sharing their dreams and visions and prayers with their spouse. Uh, There is a strong link between marriage and prayer and sex. So it's like a threefold thing there. Um, The frequency of prayer is a more powerful indicator of marital satisfaction than frequent sexual intercourse. So people who pray together more have higher marriage satisfaction than people who have sex more. So sex is physical. The prayer is the emotional part. Uh, Married couples who pray together are 90% more likely to report higher satisfaction in their sex life than the couples who do not pray together. So if you want to have better sex, start praying together. Okay, and then uh, before that, before we close out, um, did you guys want to share your story? Are we ready? Yeah, you know, I'll say this too along with all those things. Praying together in marriage is something most couples don't do. Just a fact. I don't know if you do. I know Trudy and I, we were young marrieds, and I remember when we started, and here's the thing. You have to just start praying together. And we were going to church. We were growing in God. We were young. Brooke was born, right? We had a baby. And uh, Monday was my day off. Um, I, I was a barber then. I cut hair. Had my own business, and uh, so we would. We said, you know, we need to pray. We need. We need to have times where we pray together, and so let, we said, let's do it on Monday. So we set aside that evening. A lot of times we would fast during the day, and that evening we would pray together, and we began to grow with each other in prayer. The first few times we did it, it was uncomfortable. I mean, it was. I mean, and, and we love God. It's just, you know, we we're not really good at praying. We were young and. 
And, but we begin to do it, and then the Holy, here's what happens. The Holy Spirit begins to get involved with you. And there will be times that we're, we're praying together, and one of us may say, you know, I think God's telling me something. And or, or we may have one of the gifts of the Spirit happen. Maybe one of us say, you know, I, I believe I have this prophecy. I've got this prophetic word. And uh, it's a little uncomfortable when you begin, but you just have to begin. And then one of the things we do now is we make time to pray pretty much every day. We don't do it every day together. And, you know, we're a little bit different than young people. We, we're kind of semi-retired, if you will. Uh, and so we begin our day with coffee, which write that down. That's the best way to begin your day. Coffee, and then we have a little creek behind our house. And we go out there pretty much every morning, and we spend some time praying together, praying about our, our, pray about our kids. We pray about this church. We pray uh, about a lot of things. If God puts somebody on our heart, we don't always pray the same way. But we do have confessions from the Word of God that we make together. In other words, we have scriptures that we pray these scriptures out. The, the most powerful praying you can do is praying the promises of God. Pray the scriptures out. And a lot of times we're praying and, and the, the Lord will lead us and guide us. And uh, prayer together is so critical to getting where, where God wants you to go. And I'll close with that. Uh, I remember when... God, God was dealing with our heart a few years ago. We'd worked with the ministry. Willie George, who was here this last week, I worked with him for 20 years in Tulsa. And something began to stir in my heart. I didn't feel quite the same. And so we began to pray about it. And I remember I'd come home from work, and Trudy would have been praying about it. And she would meet me. She did this more than once. She says, man, I was praying today. And here's what I saw. I saw us going out and traveling. I saw us going to churches, and we're preaching, and we're preaching together. And she began to tell me this, and I would say, here's what I would say. I say, honey, we can't do that because in order to do that, I'm going to have to quit doing what we're doing right now. And I, ha I had a block that I was a little afraid to do that because I had a salary. And if we go out on the road, the salary ends, and it's, <laughs> it's on me. Is that going to work? But here's what God did. He prepared her heart spiritually so whenever it came time to make that move, which we did, and then we traveled for 18 years, right? We still do some. We don't do quite as much. But her heart was ready so we could do it in unity. But what was, what was the important part of that is we developed a prayer life together. So I encourage you, you may not do that, and, and you don't have to go for three hours. Just but begin somewhere because that will open up the door for closer intimate. Intimacy in the spirit will produce intimacy in the natural with your mind and also in your physical relationship. That's good. Yeah. Be, be praying twice as much as you're having sex. <laughs> All right, you want to go ahead and close us out in prayer? Oh, I was going to say, before we close out in prayer, I want to just say this. As a church, like I want you guys to understand this, we value your marriage very, very much. And I never, I, I just want to encourage you guys, if you're going through anything, if you're experiencing anything, man, reach out. I, I, would, I would say use your groups, but then also understand, care at newsongpeople.com. Like don't, don't let, don't ever let something get to the point. Like, if you need help, reach out. We we want to partner with you guys, and uh, because we believe in this room, we believe you guys all have a hundred percent, a one hundred percent success rate at marriage. And so, I just want to encourage you. Make sure that you know that we're we're here for you. We love you. We're praying for you guys. All right. <laughs> I think we're gonna wrap wrap up. Um, what an awesome night. I am so glad to see all of you guys here. When she told us how many were signed up, we were praying for you guys. It was just like. 
the excitement. We met last week and stuff, and we were just super pumped. And the boldness you guys have to come to a night like this, sometimes it can be hard. But we're glad that you all are here. I want to reiterate what he says, and we're here for you. We support you. We're here for you to pray for you. Um, but as we close out tonight, uh, I want to go ahead and ask you to grab your spouse's hand if you don't already have it. And as we were preparing, after they left our house last week, um, I was getting ready for bed, and I felt like the Lord, he reminded me of something, and it has to do with my computer. And so in the top right-hand corner, I can see it. It reminds me often um, if I need to, like, restart my computer, reset it, um, refresh it, one of those things. But it gives me three options, and those three options I can choose usually are, like, do it right now, try in an hour, or maybe do it later, something along the lines of that. And I felt like the Lord told me that tonight is a right now night, not a later night, not a in an hour night, but it, it's right now. So as we close out, I'm going to start in prayer, and then Josh will pray after that. But go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. And as you're sitting there, just envision your marriage, you and your spouse sitting next to one another. And um, wherever the Holy Spirit prompts you in your heart tonight to hone in and focus on, I pray, as I start praying, that he would um, have a specific area to, for you specifically to start praying over in your own marriage. But um, I feel like that some of you right now need to choose to refresh your marriage. Right now, choose to say that you are refreshing your marriage, that you're refreshing your prayer life with your spouse, that you will refresh your date nights and get creative with intimacy in the bedroom and outside of the bedroom. Some of you are right there in the refreshing phase. Some of you are in a restart phase. Some of you need to choose tonight, right now, to restart. Restart by being in a healthy community of people who will love you, encourage you, and give you the wisdom you need. Restart by adding date nights into your marriage. Maybe you've lacked on date nights. Restart tonight and add date nights back into your marriage. Restart praying together. Maybe you've just quit praying together. There's fruit that comes from that. Restart tonight and choose tonight to leave and start praying together. Restart transparent communication in your marriage. Restart having sex. Restart connecting with God. And then there's a last group I felt like tonight, and it's the reset. Some of you tonight need to choose to reset right now in your marriage. Wipe clean the past. Wipe the old hard drive of past mistakes and bad decisions. You are forgiven 100%. And you have 100% success rate at your marriage. If you choose the right now, choose to deny the enemy and say, not later, not tomorrow, but I'm choosing before I walk out of this room right now with my spouse that we will reset our marriage. I pray you choose to reach out and find wise counsel. Don't say it's too late. God can and will restore your marriage. Make tonight the night you choose to say that you're all in. And if you need help, um, you will reach out and you want your marriage healed. Lord, we thank you for every marriage in this room that has been refreshed, restarted, and reset. You are good, and we believe legacies tonight will be forever changed because of the choices that they've made here tonight. Lord, as we close out, I just want to thank you for every marriage that's in this room. Father, we just, we thank you for an opportunity to come together. We thank you for what your word says. We thank you that you've given us the playbook, the the, the owner's manual on how to, do, how to do marriage and how to do it your way. Lord, right now, I just pray that every family that's represented in here, Lord, I, we, we understand the statistics. We know where people are at, Lord. We know that, that most of us in here probably come from broken homes. Father, right now, we declare that in this church, these marriages will start a new legacy in their family. 
that the, the lineage of divorce ends with them. It ends with them saying that we stand together and we will not allow that happen. Father, we pray against the spirit of divorce, not just in this church, but in this city. And we are thankful that New Song Church, because of our strong marriages and because of the people that are committed to doing right, are a restraining force against what the enemy wants to do. We say not today. We say not now, not ever. Lord, we thank you for the wisdom that you've given us. Father, we thank you for the ability to come and ask you, Father, to do something great. Lord, I just declare that these marriages will be blessed. Lord, I thank you for the children that are represented in here. Father, I thank you that they're going to see a mom and dad who love each other and that that will be duplicated. I thank you so much for what you're doing. I pray a blessing over these marriages tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.